Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. I have an amazing show for all the nostalgia lovers out there. We have two fantastic guests. First up is Devin Sawa, who was my childhood crush. Of course, he's in movies like Casper, Now and Then, Final Destination, Idle Hands, so many little giants, which I love. So Devin is someone I've been trying to get on the show forever, and it was so exciting to get to talk to him about all of those projects. He's also got a new movie called Black Friday, and he's in the Chucky TV series about the killer doll, which is a great show, legitimately. Fantastic. So check that out. And then after my interview with Devin, we have Mark Long, who was one of the original road rulers, and he's a producer on the Challenge All stars which is on paramount plus now season two uh i was super excited i know there's a lot of challenge lovers out there and i've had a lot of the challenge people on this show before and i always like talking about that show and the mtv world so i will try to put those interviews up on the youtube channel as soon as i can that's youtube.com slash danny pellegrino and the number one before we get into that uh those interviews though i do want to touch on the real housewives ultimate girls trip now, are you guys watching this? This is a Peacock series, and it's of essentially the Avengers, but for Housewives. So we got Kyle Richards, Teresa Giudice, Cynthia Bailey, Melissa Gorga, uh, Ramona Singer, Luanne Deliceps. I think I got them all. And I love sort of the breaking of the fourth wall. So we're getting them talking about the shows. Loving seeing that. Also, we can clearly tell that Melissa and Teresa still to this day hate each other and very clearly have always hated each other. And there are these little moments. It doesn't seem like there's a ton of drama. Like, I think the drama is pretty base level. But what's fascinating about it is just seeing these women interact with each other, which I think is so exciting for Housewives fans. We've watched all these franchises for years hearing them talk about their shows and relating to each other and how their shows operate and how they operate differently. I, I'm super fascinated by it. So there's been three episodes that have come out. The fourth one, I believe, comes out today or tomorrow this week. And then there'll be one each week, and it's on Peacock. I want to encourage everyone to check it out. And then I'll be off next week for Thanksgiving. So there'll be no new Everything Iconic episodes for Thanksgiving week. I apologize. I know. Don't get mad at me. I'm taking a little breather for the holiday. Going to visit my family in Ohio. But we'll be back the week after. And hopefully either the week after or at some point in the future, we'll get to talk more about the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip because I do want to break it down and I do want to talk about it because there's a lot going on. We got a lot of nudity already. There's been tons of nudity. Ramona's wearing the thong, and then they filmed her in the shower. I was like, what am I watching? I felt like, I was speaking of MTV, I'm watching The Real World or something. There's Ramona's Meredith Grey in the shower. And then Luann's just flashing people on the resort. They got that hot guy who's the concierge or whatever. Uh, she's flashing everyone. And God bless, they look amazing. Truly stunning. And I would walk around naked if I had the body of either of those two women. It might be a little se- sexual harassment. Who knows? Unclear. But... I want to talk more about it when we get back from Thanksgiving break, but I wanted to uh, just touch on it here and let you guys know that you should watch it because it's good TV. And believe me, I know it's more surprising that than me because I thought, I think I'd even talked about it on the show. I thought this show is going to be kind of boring, but it's all, it's all a, an amuse-bouche. Is that the pre-course? It's an appetizer 
to season two, which is going to be at Dorinda's house with all those unhinged ex-housewives. So I thought this season was going to be a little slow, a little boring, but I think it is fascinating and it's good TV. And so if you don't get Peacock sign up, I think, I don't know exactly how Peacock works. I think it's like you get an episode for free and then you got to sign up, but then they have different tiers. So like one's free and one's you get with commercial free or it's very, all of these are confusing, these streamers. Believe me, it's confusing. I don't get it. Anyway, you guys, I want to play my interview with Devin Sawa, then my chat with Mark Long. I will leave you with these two interviews. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino. Also, if you want to pre-order my book, How Do I Unremember This? There's a link in the episode description, or you can get it at Amazon, IndieBound.org, or your local bookstore or wherever, and it'll be out March 8th. I love you all so much for listening. Oh, and my holiday podcast, although I'll be off next week on Everything Iconic, you can catch up to my holiday podcast if you want to listen to my friend Jen and I recap uh, and chat about holiday movies. We covered Fred Claus this week, which is another Vince Vaughn movie. We covered two Vince Vaughn movies this season. And Fred Claus is truly unhinged. Ludacris plays a DJ, an elf DJ, and they literally just CGI Ludacris's face onto another person's body for some strange reason. And it's a fascinating watch. So if you want to listen to that, it's called A Very Merry Iconic Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, leave you with these. Love you all so much. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back after the holiday. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you all have a wonderful time with your family, friends, and loved ones. Stay safe and bye-bye. I'm here with Devin Sawa. He's got a new movie out this Friday called Black Friday, uh, which I saw and is great. Devin, first of all, how are you today? I'm excellent. I'm really good. I'm so excited. It's, I'm it's nervous. Been a long day. It's been a long day, but I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm nervous to talk to you, of course. Don't be nervous. Devin, everyone in my generation, which I know you've heard this a million times, but every single girl and gay man like myself, we you were it for us. I love it. I you love were it. it. I'm flattered and, and lucky. And I got to tell you, I'm a little off my game today because last night I, I wasn't sleeping great. I just, there's a lot of stuff going on. And I was at that point around 4.30 in the morning where I'm like, I'm just going to get up. Let's just wake up. Let's start the day because I'm not going to be able to fall back asleep. And then I knew I was uh, interviewing you today. And I had heard you talk about this movie called Hunter Hunter. And I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll put that on. Maybe I'll like put it on and kind of fall asleep. It's on Hulu. And it fucked me up, Devin. It was so good. I'm sorry. Oh, I would have steered you in a different direction. But like, that's how you started your day? It's how I started. Literally at 4, 5 a.m. this morning, I put on Hunter Hunter on Hulu. Uh, and it's a really crazy, gory, amazing movie, but it just, it's very intense. And normally it's not even the kind of thing that I would watch, but I was like, oh, I'm, I gotta, you know, do my research for Devin here. Yeah. And it, you were so good in it. And also oh, seeing that, seeing Chucky, Black Friday, all of these movies that you've, uh, all of this work you've been doing, you've transitioned so f- sort of flawlessly into these amazing adult roles from a lot of these things that we knew you from when, that you acted in as a kid, when was the point where you, it really clicked for you that you wanted this to be like a career lifelong thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. I, I never thought it wasn't going well. There was a time in my twenties where I stepped away for four or five years and didn't know whether I was going to get back into acting. But once I got back into it, it, it never, it, it's, I know that I have to, um, reset and reinvent all the time. And I'm going to have to do it again when I, when I turn 50 and again, when I'm 60 and when I get, when I'm 70, I give a lot of credit to this latest reboot to uh, Sean Linden, who's the director of Hunter Hunter, ironically for uh, telling me, grow the beard, grow the hair, 
We're going to ground you. You're going to be real. You're going to, you're 40, you're in your forties. You're, you're going to smoke. You're going to, you're going to, uh, you're a different guy now. And I, I, till that point I was you know, holding on to the young rookie cop roles and the, this and that, you know, and, and I just, it was time to, to do a reset and, and, uh, and uh, get into the more adult stuff and start uh, aging gracefully and, and being that guy now. So I'm, I'm 40. I'm in my forties. I'm a dad. I'm, I'm ready to own it. And you really look better than ever too. I know I, oh. you just posted a photo on your Instagram and it's like, you look phenomenal. And that Thank movie, you. the ending is really fucked up too. I just want to let everyone know it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy, punch. but good. Yeah. It's a gut punch. We, when it doesn't, it doesn't read like that on the page and the page is like two lines long. And it's like, this happens and you're like, Oh, okay. That's cool. That's a good ending. But then you see it in real life and it's like, Ooh, you know, it's, it's really a, it's a gut, it's a gut punch. Uh, you mentioned sort of having to reinvent yourself. Is there one stage or, or a certain type of role that you're like dying to get into? Or is there one project you're maybe trying to get off the ground now? Or what's like a dream kind of role for you? I, I, I want to start doing crime stuff. I, I, I've always uh, I've always been into horror and I do a lot of horror and I still I try to do as much horror as possible. But um, I, I want to start getting into crime stuff like like mafia or, or mobby stuff or, you know, crooked cops and, and that kind of I, I want to start exploring that world, you know, seven and, and uh, the Fincher stuff and all that that kind of world. I, I really I started, I, don't know, I started watching these YouTube videos late at night, like mob stuff. And I'm like, I gotta, I want to do stuff like this now. Yeah. Um, so that's where I'm at. Um, but I always return to horror eventually, at least once a year. Chucky's amazing too. I just have to let everyone know the Chucky TV series. I'm a couple episodes behind, but it's, I, I, I'm blown away by how good it is. I think it's an amazing series. Do you think you'll do another season of it? I don't know how your character sort of ends up at the end of this, but would you guys want to do a season two? John Mancini has talked to me uh, uh, about a season two. He hasn't told me his full ideas. He, he wants me back. We'll see what, the, what what happens with the studio and the network. Um, and uh, I would bet that, that it goes again for sure. That's for sure. Whether I go back or not is kind of will be talked about. Um, I'm in Don Mancini's plans. I, I couldn't be happier to be a part of, you know, you, you hear Chuck is going to be a TV show, but it's important for this show is important for a lot of different ways. Um, it's not just a show about a killer doll. We kind of use the killer doll to, to explore some important stories and some stuff that, that only, you know, Don Mancini could do right. And, um, and I'm, I'm thrilled to be a part of this kind of storytelling, like yeah. from the bottom of my heart. It's amazing too, within the horror genre to have an uh, LGBTQ lead character. Yeah, it's man. pretty pretty amazing it's it's amazing and it's important and that's why i'm so happy to to be to be on you know this side of history and telling these stories and and uh and being inclusive and and uh and uh you know and no one could have done it like it's done in a way that feels authentic and real and that's because don mancini is behind it so but i gotta tell you casper was so important to me I have a bunch of Casper questions and I'm sure you hate talking about it. You've probably talked about it a million times, but I just want to run through these quickly because you probably have touched on a lot of this. Uh, specifically, did you meet Spielberg? Cause I know he yeah. produced it. So yeah, he produced that and little giants. I, I went from Casper to little giants and he did both of them and he was there on set a lot. Um, he didn't direct either of them, but he was Amblin uh, produced them. He was running Amblin. I don't know if he still runs Amblin, uh, but, but uh, he was there a lot at that age were you able to grasp like this is steven spielberg or what was that like yeah, yeah I, I was 
14 when I did Casper and uh, I had you, Spielberg was at the top of his game. He had ET, uh, the Indiana Jones movies. I mean, he was when you, when you, there was the first name to come up when you said director was Spielberg. Um, so I knew exactly what my grandmother who was, uh, my parents were out of town and we got the call saying, we'd like you to come down to, to uh, Hollywood uh, to meet with Steven Spielberg and, and my grandma was the only one that could take me. And so we got on this plane, they, they flew us first class. We've never been on first class, of course. And she's putting dinner rolls in her purse and we would get off and we're staying at the, at the universal Hilton or Sheraton, whatever it was at the time. And it was like, it's, and my, my grandmother could care less about Spielberg. It, it, we walked on to the soundstage and there was a house built inside the soundstage with a roller coaster in it. And, and my grandmother was, was just blown away and, and um i knew you know he was sitting down the step in his little et hat or something and uh i knew i was meeting spielberg and she could care less she was she was in this world of hollywood this you know it was such a huge movie and i i wonder did you have any concept of how first of all how many days did you shoot on that it must have been a three. three i was there i was there for a week or two or something like that and i think i shot three days so could you even imagine that it would have lasted like that short of time would still be something that people latched on to? It felt huge to me. It felt because like, it had been the, it's, it was by far the biggest thing I'd ever done, but also universal city walk was just built then. So they had these gigantic posters and billboards and neon lights. And I had never seen anything like that being from Canada. It was, it was, it, it felt like it was mad. It was just this massive thing it was just just you know and, and so i thought it was i, I thought it was going to be this huge thing and it was it was as big as i thought it was you know you first class i'm sitting first class yeah. you know what i mean like it, it, it was just you get in this they get in a limo i was never been in a limo before you you, you drive to universal studios you walk through city walk you, you're, it's, it was it was all nutty Wild, wild. Yeah. And did you take dance class? You must have had to take dance lessons no. for that. No, nothing. No. Oh my God. So you just knew how to do that. I yeah. I'm a natural dancer. Right. No, I, it was, it was. I told uh, you I was a good dancer. Remember that was your line. It was, it felt like a magical couple of days. It was, it, listen, you're 14 years old. Christina Ricci is, is a very cute, nice girl. It, it was, it was a man. It felt magical. It felt magical what we were doing. Was there ever a little romance between the two of you? I remember hearing a story. Maybe it was on Evan Ross Katz's podcast. Yeah, you guys went to the movies or something. Or he'll dig it out of me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, there was no romance between Christina and I. We became very close friends. There was no uh, romance on now and then. It, we, we, it was, uh, I was a late bloomer as far as like, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I wasn't really, you know, I don't know. It was all, it was all kid. It felt like summer camp. You know, Now and Then was also a, a really influential movie to uh, my generation. And I wondered, I interviewed Rosie O'Donnell on the show and she told me her character was Christina Ricci's character as an adult. And the movie sort of spanned these two timelines. And she had said in the original script that the character of Roberta, also played by Christina Ricci, was a lesbian. And then they sort of shifted gears. And I wondered, you were the love interest of the Roberta character in it. Yep. And I, I wondered... Was that something you were aware of in the original script? Or do you remember any of that? No, because I, I mean, I was just a, I mean, I was, I was a, you know, just a co-star kind of, you know, I wasn't even there the entire shoot time. I think I was there for maybe a little over half. 
So I didn't get uh, the conversations going on between, you know, who the producers were, which was Demi Moore and the, the Todd sisters and, and uh, uh, Leslie Linklater, who was the director. I, I wasn't in on, you know, I wasn't, yeah. wasn't old enough to be. And I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, but uh, I mean, the movie still was ahead of its time as far as everything, you know, having a predominantly female crew, predominant or predominantly female cast um, and being, just a phenomenal film. We were, we were really, we were really uh, ahead of our time. It's so fascinating because I, I don't think that movie was really that well reviewed, but I think there's women and gay men. Again, that movie means so much to us. Yeah. And I think it's probably because it was so revolutionary and something that was so rare to see on screen, a largely female cast. A fem- I think it was a female director too, right? Female yeah, director. female director, female DP, uh, you female, all female producers, except for a couple of the executives who were at the studio. But it was it was predominantly female. All the you know, the, all our moms were there. It was it was a lot of females on that shoot, um, which was actually a very very great shoot to be on, to tell you the truth. Yeah, um, a very comfortable shoot to be on. So, any crushes on that set? Is that an annoying question, Devin? Crushes? Yeah, I, I, I maybe it, it, we were so young. I don't Puppy love. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to, it was just, it, that one felt like summer camp. That one felt like we were all staying in a hotel and, and uh, we sit, saw movies and uh, yeah, it was like a, I remember that, that, yeah, I was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. You mentioned little giants. And one of the things that I find so frustrating about sort of the current landscape is that I did grow up and and you two grew up with these sports movies that they just don't make sports movies now. I mean, I little giants, rookie of the year, mighty ducks, that kind of thing. And a lot, it, yeah. It's like sort of upsetting to me that that genre has has gone by the wayside a little bit. And I know Disney Plus has dipped their toe with the Mighty Ducks reboot and stuff. Um, but I wish we got more of those kind of movies. I, I wish the kids nowadays, my nieces and nephews, got movies like that because they're hidden sort of underneath the silliness. There were all these great lessons about teamwork and and people of different uh people who had differences coming together to work towards this common goal. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I think it's something that's lost now. Yeah. We don't get that a lot, but you know, you know um, it's all a money thing. And maybe, maybe if somebody pulled, you know, pulled the trigger and made one of those, uh, they would, you know, like be like the, the young, you start to see scream and all these movies start to come back. Maybe the sports movies will, will come back too, because they really are. They, I don't know why they stopped making them. Like, Sandlot. Sandlot is so we watch the Sandlot. It's a, it's a great movie still, and and it has a lot of great messages. And yeah. and uh, yeah, maybe maybe I'll do it. What were the movies when you were a kid? What were the ones that you really latched onto? What were your favorites? I I had a video card, that, and I would watch a lot of horror movies. I would uh, we I think we we're seven or eight years old. And we we're allowed to rent whatever we wanted. It was it was it was a split between horror movies and like. Uh, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, like just raw deal. The work, the the more cheesy, the better. Like you know, Stallone saying those, you know, classic like "See you the know, Those I don't know. I was a sucker for those at, at a young age, and I think it, it was it was on the now and then set that um, Christina and I we would go see. Paul Fiction changed my the way I looked at uh, film. Um, we saw that movie maybe five, six times during the summer. And it was that up until that point, I'd been going to set and having fun. Everything was like, ah, oh, just to get to hang out with all these kids and, and have a great time. And then I saw Pulp Fiction and I went back and I started watching movies like Rain Man and, and uh, Set of a Woman and, and Scarface and all these movies with these performances by these, uh, by these actors. And 
that kind of just changed everything for me. And now I wanted to, now I wanted to do other stuff. I wanted to, to, to I was, I was a thespian now. Yeah. You know? So what's it like then working with Stallone? Recently you worked with him, right? The escape plan. Yeah. Some, some of these movies that you saw me do, I, I, after I finished, um, after I finished Nikita, I did a run on Nikita and then I decided I was, I wanted to work with these, with these, uh, it started becoming like, Oh, okay. I would like to work with Bruce Willis. I thought, you know, just to, to, to like Travolta, I've worked on two movies with Travolta and, and he has the greatest to sit with Travolta. He loves to tell stories about, you know, everything from Marlon Brown to Muhammad Ali to just these stories. And, and I love to listen. And, and then to Stallone and doing action, like that guy did a gunfight with Stallone. I mean, these are That's all wild. Yeah. It's like bucket list stuff. Um, uh, Sharon Stone played my cracked out mother in this in this trailer park scene, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm doing a, I'm doing a scene with Sharon Stone, and she's like, she's casino good right now, you know what I mean? It's 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 just you know, Guy Pierce, another one that that uh, they just make me. I go to work, I smile, I'm like, look who I'm working with, you know, these are my childhood heroes. This is I, this is how I feel talking to you. Like it's kind of like a weird trippy moment for me because I I, I since I was a little kid, I watched you on screen and. That's oh, that's I'm kind of having a trippy moment. Uh, Sharon Stone also yeah. just recently followed me on Instagram and I'm so nervous. She's going to unfollow me. Like I, cause I love Sharon Stone too. I'm like, I don't want that to happen. She came to work and she came to work and she didn't want any makeup, but she didn't want any hair. She didn't want anybody touching her. She, she, she got into character. She stayed in character. She kind of rocked back and forth and looked at me like this. It was wild, man. I was, it was, you know, and, and like, she screamed at me for not setting my, the in character, like not putting my, my prop back and like, cause she was crying and like, oh, it was, it was, it was a day. It was a day. Who's been your best scene partner ever? Like who were you blown away by the most? Oh man. I, I, uh, Travolta is somebody that I hope to keep working with forever because uh, he does everything like he wants to win an Oscar. He's committed. He's, he's passionate. He's, um, Stallone, I, 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 there's been so many. I mean, I, I've been really fortunate. Stallone's doing the Rocky Four. I think he's re-released. He just re-edited. Re-edited. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I want to watch the, it. Yeah, they they just re-edited it and they got a, a cool documentary on why. That's that's probably the cooler than the re-edit is why they chose the, the certain things. Um, John Hertzfeld direct directed the making the making of the re-edit, uh, which is on YouTube, which is worth checking out. So. Are there any movies from you when you were a kid that you think like, ah, oh, they should have re-edited it or, or things that maybe the script was different. You would like a, another crack at. I don't know what as a kid, but uh, the fanatic, the, the movie I did with Travolta got chopped to pieces because I, I, I think that they didn't realize they needed to have uh, clearance on some of the stuff that Travolta, because Travolta, it, it, when he, when he ties me to the bed and he starts doing all these, these uh, impersonations of different uh, horror icons and different movie people. Um, they didn't have any clearance on that stuff. So they had to edit a lot of these. Travolta gets into the, he, 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 um, he wraps an entire verse of LL Cool J's rock the bells. And it was the greatest thing I had ever seen in, in that moose character. I don't know if you've seen the movie, but he plays this really weird moose character and he does LL Cool J rock the bells and it's phenomenal. But of course they can't use it. Wow. They're, you know, it's, it's whoever, I mean, even if LL Cool J said it was fine, they, they have to go through a billion different people to get clearance, but to see a director's cut of that movie would be phenomenal with all the stuff added back in. Yeah. Who's on your list now that you still would love to work with? Uh, Schwarzenegger and De Niro are the two that like, I don't care what the script is like. If you give yeah. me one of those, uh, I'll just show up on set and, 
And uh, I, I want to, I'd like to work with Schwarzenegger. Like, I just want to, I just want to do it. Um, and then De Niro, I, I, I have uh, so much respect for and Pacino and, and uh, Meg Ryan is somebody that I've always, oh, I, Devin. I, uh, I love uh, her. But a man loves a woman is one of, one of my, uh, and it means so much more to me nowadays because I'm sober of 15 years, but um, she, she is, uh, she's awesome. Wildly underrated too. And I think wildly underrated. I, I don't think people realize even with the rom com stuff, you've got mail as my all time favorite movie, yeah. but I often think people don't realize how hard that role is. And yeah. Tom Hanks in that movie. And, and she plays specifically her. She she's can't be, she's not very sexy, but she's got that this chemistry and, I don't know. I just think it's a hard line that that character has to to walk. And because yeah. it's sort of this rom-com, I think people don't realize how tough it is. And same with Sleepless in Seattle. And, and when a man loves a woman, she's, she's brilliant. And too. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I go back to, I go back to Warner Laughlin studios. Every, every time I have a big break in my, in my business, I feel like you've got to train. So I go back to Warner Laughlin studios, which is acting studio. And I always pick scenes from when a man loves a woman. I've done that. I've done, I've done some of those scenes a billion times. And I, you know, she, they, uh, they, they killed it in that movie. And she's really an underrated actor. I yeah, I know. I, I want her to come back. Uh, you mentioned uh, in an interview recently that Final Destination, you were sort of inspired, I think, by Jamie Lee Curtis coming back to the Halloween franchise. And you said you'd yeah, love that, to kind of hop back in there. Is that that was taken? That was taken a was little taken out of context. Right. Uh, they, the question always comes up. Would you would you return to a Final Destination movie? Uh, I wasn't asked to return for the second one um, for good reasons. The producers of my agents made a decision that I needed to step away and put my feet back on earth and get it back together. And, and, I, and then I just never returned because the, the new the new. Uh, uh, recipe for that movie was to start fresh every movie and 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 i've had a, an absolute blast watching these young kids uh come in and and kind of reboot it every time but now that i've seen the halloween movies uh if they were to uh say what would you think about doing the final destination reboot obviously yeah i think that the halloween show that it can work um, but at the same time I, if they want to you know there was talk about doing a uh a firefighter uh uh part six. And so now I'm really intrigued to see what that would look like with a young cast of, you know, of firefighters and whatever it is, the building falls down, who knows, but, but it's, it's intriguing. And, and uh, yeah. So the last final destination movie, I think where it sort of tied back to your first one at the end of it. Yeah. And there was a, a scene that I, I guess you had filmed previously, but that was like jaw dropping. I remember seeing that. I was like, holy shit. That so ending was good. here's a story for you. I didn't know that scene existed. And I get a random call from the producers asking me to come to the premiere of final destination five. Like, like, Oh, uh, sure. I, I guess I'll come. And they still didn't tell me. So I'm sitting in the audience and like enjoying the film, like everybody else. And then all of a sudden that scene comes on and I was just like, I'm in this film. Uh, that's me. Not really, <laughs> but like, there I am. You know, I guess they, they, they brought back some old footage and, and cleaned it up a little bit and spliced it in. And, and, uh, there I was. Oh, it was good. And I would like to see that uh, whole franchise rebooted because I think there's really good stuff in there. A- aside from the first one, I think there's really great stuff in all of those sequels and it's, it is such a fun concept. I think yeah. it would be fun yeah. to see in any, whatever way they would want to do it. Uh, okay. I got to ask about Stan directed by Dr. Dre, of course, yeah. the Eminem song. You sort of 
are the poster child for stands, which is now a, a term in our lexicon, which is must be kind of wild. Um, yeah. What do you make yeah. of the longevity of that term? And I don't know if I'm making any sense. Like what, what's your take on it sort of with distance? I, I really think that the, uh, the term it, it becoming a word in the dictionary uh, is wild. It, I think it's just, you know, the kids latched onto a new word and it got legs and, you know, started to roll. And that's what it is. Um, I'm not surprised that the video itself has such longevity. I think it was way ahead of its time. It was directed by Dr. Dre and Philip Atwell at the time they co-directed it. Um, the song was ahead of the time. The artist was ahead of his time. Um, and uh, the video doesn't surprise me that it's still, I still think it's one of the best video. I said, I would still put it in the top 10 videos of all time. Um, even I don't think anybody's really touched it as far as a storytelling video, you know, thriller was kind of cool. And uh, Stan was kind of cool. And there's, you know, there's, you know, I, I was up for a best actor in a music video that year. And I, and it was my first time being nominated. I think it was VH1 or I don't know, MTV or something, some sort of best actor. And out of all freaking years to get nominated for a best actor in music video, Christopher Walken is, Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. That boy slim. Uh, and like, what are the chances that oh, Christopher man. Walken is in a video this year. And so I lost to Christopher Walken for Fat Boy Slim. And I was like, any other year, I feel like I would have taken it. Oh, man. I mean, but Stan, that lives on. And and I'm curious, you must have studied the music. Did you get a take on why Eminem is so good? Does that make sense? It was more so that I felt like the doc. I felt the, I felt that why Dr. Dre was so good because Eminem wasn't there a lot for me, but I mean, listen, Eminem is just amazing. But when you're around Dr. Dre, you feel, you get a, you get a feel. It's the same feeling I felt when I was with Spielberg or you, you just, you just know, you're just, you, you know, this person is something special. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, Eminem was not there a lot during the shoot, except for the couple times that we ran and he shot his stuff on his own. And so I didn't get, I, I wish I would have, uh, had more time with Eminem and hung out with him a little bit more, but I spent a lot of time with Dre and, and I really did. Uh, I really think he's, I, I thought he was something special, you know, especially being 18, 19 years old. All of these projects we're talking about are things that I feel like we'll live on for, they've lived on for so many years and I think they will live on forever. Things like everything from Casper to Stan. And uh, do you understand sort of the levity of that or, or does it just feel like work to you? Like there's such cultural touchstones for so many people. It feels like work to me. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I, I feel, I mean, I, I don't know. They feel like work to me. I don't want to, but you're in like, it's, it's crazy to me that you're in a handful of things that I think there's a lot of people that will take with them forever. Like all of these things that I'm asking you about are things in my own life. And I'm a pop culture junkie, but that like, I will be on my deathbed talking about now and then, or little giants or rewatching them on HBO max or whatever. They bring me to such a, a pleasant place and half part of that is nostalgia. Part of that is the, the greatness of these films. Part of it is that a lot of these kind of movies, like we talked about, don't get made as much anymore. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, they really, you're don't. in a lot of them, Devin. They really don't make these kind of now and then stand by me sandal. They don't really make, they really don't make these. There's just not a market for them anymore. They, you're either making $150 million Marvel films or you're making, you know, a million dollar indie and hoping for the best, but they don't make these mid-range story-driven pieces anymore. 
even Idle Hands. My boyfriend and I were watched that uh, right before Halloween. Yeah, and it's a weird movie, and I it's love so that, weird. and I love that yeah. it's a weird movie that I want to see weird shit. And I, that, another reason why I think Black Friday is great, which comes out uh, not November nineteenth, but it's like the- I like a weird thing. Yeah, do you know the same producers of of Now and Then did Idle Hands? No, I didn't same. know that. No, yeah. who was it? Todd, the uh, Jennifer Todd and Suzanne Todd. They also went off to do uh, the Austin Power movies, and they're very, very. And, and I think uh, Jen does the Oscars now, and Suzanne did uh, that that crazy mother comedy that just came out a couple of years ago. The the housewife crazy. I can't remember what it's called, but it's really good. If it's a they're, crazy housewife mother, I'm sure I've seen it. But you see, you see, you've seen this one. It's I'm I'm. Um, I'm botching the name, but it's a really good one. It's a, it's a comedy with some really great uh, uh, female comedians in it. I'm surprised they haven't uh, done another Idle Hands because it was such a cult classic. I know it wasn't like a huge box office hit, but it w- really was like a cult thing. Yeah, it. it uh, I, I just recently saw a video of uh, Senator John McCain speaking out about Idle Hands. I had never seen um, before. It, during the, we got pulled out of theaters in a couple different states. And uh, all the TV ads were pulled down. All the all the print ads were pulled down because it happened. It came out a week after Columbine happened. So we were a movie about um, a kid who, I guess, his hand goes on a killing rampage in this high school. And so all of a sudden, you know, McCain is on, you know, on the news talking about, you know, these movies being being uh, responsible for violence, and you know, because whatever steers you away from the gun talk. It's weird. It's weird to look back at movies from that time. Even Scream Three, I rewatched recently, which I think had a similar thing where it was uh, maybe re-edited or, or some stuff was taken out because of that time. Yeah. Uh, okay, Devin, tell me about Black Friday. Have you ever gone out on Black Friday and shopped? No, no, no. It scares the hell out of me. Like I, I, you don't see you don't see good Black Friday Friday videos. You only see the the chaos. I love watching Black Friday. I love what I'm a sucker for like, you know, the, the doors breaking down and people just going crazy. Um, and that's kind of what was so appealing about the script is like, what if you, what if you took that to the next level where these people uh, are crazy, but now they're possessed crazy. And, and, and it's the first time since idle hands or slackers uh, that I kind of revisited um, comedy. Uh, I went into it thinking, I just got to be fearless. I just got to go in and just have fun. And, and uh, it's, it's a, it was a great experience. Uh, was there ever a toy that you really wanted a Christmas toy, like a Nintendo or something that it was like, it was, was the toy. Okay, so I'm, I'm from Canada and, and in the eighties in Canada, we didn't, we didn't get, we didn't, we got like GI Joe's were, were we, we, we didn't get everything. We got kind of some stuff like the, the, the latest He-Man figures came out and we'd have a billion Moss man on the, on the shelf. And that's it. Like that's what you can have Canada. You get Moss man. <laughs> that's it, so sad. You know? You're not getting He-Man or Skeletor, okay? <laughs> That's it. I don't know why that was, but in Canada, that we, we you'd have to really you really struggled for the good toys. Yeah. Now I buy them all. I had the tradition where I would go away and I I would find on my off time I would go find an antique store and I would buy like the Optimus Prime or the or like the Ninja Turtle and I would like I put them all in a box that my kids can't touch, like all the toys that I wanted, you know, the Destro, the whatever it was that I wanted. I got all my toys in my office. I got Beanie Babies here. I got the whole, all of it. Um, Yeah. Devin, it was such a pleasure talking to you. I'm I'm so, uh, your career, you're so amazing. And I can't wait to see what you do next, how you keep reinventing yourself. And and you mean so much to such a 
large generation of people. So thank you so much for taking the time. Black Friday is out Friday, November 19th. Everyone could check it out on demand. Also watch Hunter Hunter if you want something gory and crazy. It's really great. And Chucky and Chucky. And Chucky, the TV and series, Chucky. which is fantastic. And I didn't yes. even get to ask you about Wild America. We need JTT back. Well, you know what? We'll, we'll work on getting JTT uh, on, a, on a dual uh, interview on the say uh, You can interview both of us. You don't even know. Like, I would go fucking nuts. JTT. You know what? I would have more luck getting Macaulay Culkin or like something like that. But JTT just went off and like went a different. He's just a successful doing something. You know, he didn't want to act anymore. And he went off and did whatever the hell he wants to do. And good good on him, man. He's good so dude. elusive. What I would give to talk yeah. to him about all that stuff. Yeah, it would be great. Devin, truly a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for This show is sponsored by BetterHelp, and we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up, and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. I'm here with one of our MTV legends. Of course, I'm talking about Mark Long, who was really, I think, the force behind getting the challenge all-stars up and running over on uh, the Paramount Plus streaming app. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, Danny. How are you? I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm a huge challenge junkie. And when All-Stars came about, I was so excited. And we're we're moving into season two of the challenge, All-Stars. 
But it was thrilling for me because I grew up on with people like you on the challenge. And over the years, I felt like the main franchise, it moved so far away from the original real world and road rollers who we've all gotten attached to. So I was so excited when this came about. Uh, how did it come about? How did you make it happen? Can you take me to sort of like the inception of it? Yeah, for sure. So I was like you. I um I grew up watching this as well, just as well as competing. I, I watched it when I wasn't on the shows as well. So I kind of created an organic relationship with some of these characters that you see on television, um, especially the challenge. So I just thought it was time. I think um the nostalgic feel of what we're doing was was needed. Um, and I reached out to a bunch of people, older cast members and asked them if they'd be interested. And when I got, you know, dozens upon dozens that said they, they were interested, um, I kind of threw out a tweet, the tweet went viral, then us weekly picked it up and then it went even more crazy. And that kind of was like the little pebble that got kicked down the, uh, the mountain and grew steam and steam. So the fact that it was, uh, originally, uh, an us weekly article and now we're in second season is absolutely amazing. And even better, it just showed uh, with the success of season one how how the fans were yearning for something like this, and they couldn't wait. And I've had so many people like yourself, Danny, come up to me like, hey, thank you so much. I can't believe this is back. You know, I love these original faces. I, I've grown up with them. I have a relationship in my mind with them. And uh, it's fun to see how they've evolved or devolved over the past 10, 15, 20 years. And Lots of them are dads now. Lots of them are moms, you know, so wives, husbands. But it's great to know that at any age, it proves that you're never too old to compete. You're never too old to go have some fun. And just because you're a mom or a dad doesn't mean you have to stop having fun in your life. So I'm so glad we got some of these wonderful, amazing faces back. Right. And I'm a reality TV show junkie. And I think one of the things that I've noticed with the newer uh, seasons of The Challenge is that the casting back in the day for the original road rules for the original real world, I felt like they were pa- casting people with dynamic personalities who weren't necessarily concerned with social media and, and influencer deals and things like that. So I feel like 10, 15, 20 years ago, we got more dynamic personalities on reality TV than we have been for the past five years or so. I wonder if you could speak to that. Have you noticed that or, or does that make sense? I, I noticed it. It's funny you mentioned that because one of the things that I noticed shooting season one was no one talked about Instagram. No one talked about Twitter. No one talked about, hey, I can't wait to get 20,000 extra followers. Because when we grew up originally, you know, Twitter and Instagram wasn't around. We didn't care. The only thing we cared about was making it another day to maybe win a Tempur-Pedic bed on the show. Like we didn't care about any other things. So I think there has been a shift in terms of reality television as a whole, not just the challenge. Um, but I feel like people now come on with an agenda. Some of them do, some of them don't, but um, it's just a different time. And everything is so instant. Now with Twitter, you have off season Twitter beefs, you have off tw- you know season Twitter flirting. It's so in your face where I think back then. And I think while, why the fans have gravitated so much to all stars is we don't care about any of that stuff. We never really did. It wasn't introduced to us back then, 10, 15, 20 years. So I do think it's a different mindset when we go into these things. And I think the fans love a refreshing kind of reset and to just have, hey, another thing, 
you don't have to Google us. You know who we are. You know, you know, our original shows, you know, past beefs that were organic, you know, past showmances. So I think that's one of the main reasons why people love this show is it is organic. It is real and it is familiar. And I think people love that. Uh, do you remember your first sort of audition or meeting back in the day with MTV? And and I do. What is what was that like? And did you ever have any sort of idea that so many years down the road you'd be now producing something? I mean, take me through that no, journey. This is bit. this has been the most wild ride ever for me. I mean, I submitted my first real world tape was for, uh, for real world Los Angeles. And I think I was like 19 at the time. And the fact that I just turned 50 this year, 31 years later is insane. And I think to be honest with you, it's more popular than ever for me right now, even back then, um, with social media, but it was my first meeting with them. I remember I sent a videotape in and they actually started, you know, going through the process and, and yes, I had to actually film edit and send in an actual videotape, not a, not a link that you could click. So it was a lot more effort back in the day, but I remember them flying me to new Orleans. I met John Murray and Mary Ellis Bunham, um, and had a great conversation. And I just, all, even though I was originally going to go on real world, Los Angeles, and they picked Aaron, the blonde, uh, uh, accountant guy. And I think they did that because he was more of a regular Joe kind of job guy where I really wanted to pursue a a career in entertainment. So I think they kind of went that route. But I always knew when I left them that something else, I just felt good about it. So when we left and then the road rules pilot came and then the road rules happened, it was just, I always felt like it wasn't the end of my story after my first meeting. So cut to, you know, 31 years later, I'm still here. Um, It's more popular than ever. I love both franchises. I mean, they fill a void with the other one. I think we feel a really, I think all stars hits middle America the best way possible. And it's just, you know, we don't have the crazy explosions or we're not agents and we're not, you know, all this crazy mission impossible stuff. It's literally, you know, you saw even season one when a gets off the bus and almost falls down the bus stairs on her dress. Like that is this show in a nutshell. That is what this show is all about. We show the flaws. We show when people are bad. We show when people are great. And I think the, the, the realness of it shines through with the audience. Well, and one of the things that I personally love about the show is that all of you guys have such a rich history with each other that you, you just can't duplicate in a show that's a one season show or something like that. So I remember last season, there was a moment between Trishelle and Anissa talking about something that happens maybe a decade earlier or something like that. And for fans, it's really exciting to see those storylines still playing out almost like a soap opera would. Uh, and, uh, and, and also watching the challenge uh, happen too. How did you guys decide like sort of how tough to make the challenges? Like was that must've been a big discussion of like, do we want stuff that's really easy or do we want it hard and in the middle? Well, initially when I, when I kind of started talking to you, I'm like, Oh, it'll be fun. You know, it'll be kind of like backyard games, you know, it'll be, it'll be fun. But, but once I knew that I was competing on season one, I totally was removed from any type of creative. I didn't even know TJ Lavin was going to host the show. I didn't know what we were going to doing, but as you see, when everyone pulled up on that first challenge, when we're swimming out the sub zero cold water and diving 30 feet underwater, I think when everyone looked at each other and was like, 
wow, this is this is what I signed up for. Okay, it's not going to be pin the tail on the donkey. You know what I mean? It's going to be actual real challenges. So I think I think there's a nice blend of really, really high intense challenges with a nice blend of look at, you know, everyone loves trivia. You know, trivia is a nice fun episode where TJ makes fun of us the entire episodes and laughs at us. So I think that's a nice blend. I love like, watching TJ giggle. Nothing better. Oh, he's the best. And yeah. you know what? Fans love him in this atmosphere because he's totally himself. He is not playing a role. He he laughs his butt off every day at us. And I think even we have relationships with him that have lasted over 10, 20 years so, or 10 or 15 years. So there's even that aspect. He of came it, but- alive last season on All-Stars in a way that I hadn't seen him on the main franchise in a while. It seemed like he was really having a good time. And you are not the only one that has said this. And he actually has pulled me aside and said, wow, man. This is so much fun. Thank you for for getting this going. And I know and I love that because TJ is the funnest, you know, kind of loose kind of guy ever and you don't get to see that a lot on the other show because it's very, you know, a lot of the times it's more serious, but on this show when he belly laughs and that tongue comes out, he's smiling. He's he's having the best time ever. I I really feel like when he's down here he's on a vacation with us because it's not so serious, but it's, it's amazing that the fans and yourself have seen that because I saw it as well. Uh, the real world has been doing these uh, seasons on Paramount Plus where they're reuniting. And I would imagine there's been conversations about doing that for Road Rules too. Uh, I know Road Rules was a little bit different franchise, but is that something you would be open to reuniting with the Road Rules uh, side of things? Yeah. And I think because... For the past few years, man, people have just loved the nostalgic feel of everything, right? You have the Saved by the Bell remake. You have the Beverly Hills 90210 reboot. So I just think people, there's something special and very, very comforting comforting about seeing those original cast members back. I watched the Real World Homecoming with the first season of New York. It was great. I love so seeing good. all those. So I love seeing that. But I absolutely, it's funny because I talked to Kit about this, who was on my original Road Rules. I said, would you be down to maybe doing like maybe like a modified little road trip with the original cast, maybe like seven days, 10, 10 days. And she was like, absolutely. So we're ready for it. We're down to do it. Um, if, if, if Paramount plus or MTV wants to give it a go, they at least have two of the biggest characters on that originals ready to do it. And I think the others would be as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if they actually spoke about that and did something because, you know, real world road rules were the first of everything and it got everything spinning. And, um, the audience from road rules is now the audience of the challenge. So it's just, I could definitely see that happening and I'd be totally up for it. Yeah. I mean, my generation, we grew up watching those shows. And so it is nice to know where you guys are all at now. I'm curious on the challenge all-stars, who would you like to see going forward? I mean, there's still so many characters. Like I want to get Coral in there. Like why, when are we getting Coral in there? Tyler's a good friend of mine in real life, Tyler Duckworthy. I know he's coming coming back for season two, but like, who are some of the ones that you're trying to coerce to get on there? So, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of high profile cast members. First of all, since season one uh, aired dozens upon dozens have reached out um, directly to Buna Murray wanting to be a part of it because it was just so much, they see it's just so much fun. You know I mean? It's a different show than the other show. Um, but I mean, I'd love to see an Eric Nice come over. I think he's ready for it. I'd love to see eventually a Johnny bananas come over. Um, I'd love to see a Veronica come back at some point. She was kind of a, a big figurehead. A Rachel was always a, a good pair. Um, Veronica and, just, and Rachel, we need together though. We need like right. that dynamic together. Of course, you okay. can't have one without the other, right? Um, but Coral for sure. Um, 
I mean, in a perfect world, I know it's very, it's probably wishing upon like a, a unicorn to come back. That'll never happen. But Mike, the Miz would be great. He's just so tied up and busy. I don't think that's even possible, but you know, Theo was always great. The comedian now Theo, he was a great character. Um, but I think, I think as we move forward, now that people have seen what the show is and how much fun it is and just, it's always fun to go back and relive those glory days. And the fact that we're doing it 20 years, 15 years later, there's something to be said about that. And, and I think that's why middle America is loving it. All of the press outlets love it. Even the press outlets that usually don't like everything, they all love it, which, which, you know, we're doing something right. And I, in, in a perfect world, and this is between you and me and the man upstairs, you know, I would love to see it as long as possible, be a real world road rules, you know, fresh meat kind of challenge. Um, I think the other franchise, you know, can bring on the other people and that's their thing. But for as long as we have bodies to do it and faces and personalities to do it, I would love to keep it a real world road rules kind of franchise kind of thing, because you don't have to Google any of our names when the cast comes out, you know who we are. Yeah. I mean, the first season was legitimately really, really good TV. I think the only sort of trick is trying to teach people to sign up for Paramount Plus, which I I understand there's a million streaming services and stuff like that. But I think it was such a well-produced and fun, addictive, great, nostalgic show. Even everything down to the music was nostalgic. So it was just a really fun watch. So I hope people get a chance to, to tune in to season two. I'm super excited. In terms of the the history of the show, were what are your all time favorite moments of the challenge? Like, what do you what stands out to you? Oh, I love I love. See, I the challenges are great. The challenges are epic. People tune in to see what crazy things are doing. But I love the parties. I love the '90s party from season one. You know, I like the costume parties we used to do during the regular challenges. I like the impromptu birthday things that we, I like the stuff that's not even supposed to happen on the show and ends up happening. Um, It's just, and and I don't know. It's just, I think it's a different, different generation. Even with us, like, I don't even think the new kids could have pulled off even a party like that. I mean, just, just how into it and how much in character we were. And like, it's just, those are the moments that separate us from, from the others. And I think fans, love seeing that and it just it's like seeing an actor when they're like not in a character and they're at a party just having a great time people love that so um those are the moments i love all you know also i love the stuff i don't ever get to do right skydiving am i gonna go do that on my own heck no but if i do it for the show sure but all those epic kind of challenges i love too um but it's gonna get bigger it's gonna get better we're gonna bring back hopefully all those spaces you love that you've mentioned eventually and um I love that America has taken so well to it like yourself. And it's, I couldn't ask for anything more. Do you prefer the behind the scenes part of it? Or are you like, get me in there. I want to keep competing. Like, which do you prefer or, or both? You, you would think, you would think at my age, right? I mean, I just turned 50. You would think that like, I'd be ready to hang up my, my, my uh, Under Armour shoes, but I'm more competitive than ever. And I think, you know, as long as I can get in there and I'm healthy and I feel like I'm competitive against anyone in there. I, I will gladly take that phone call when I get it. But it's, you know, I love every aspect of TV. I've known these producers now who are now moved up from PAs to executive producers. You know, Julie Peasy's now president of Buna Murray. Like, I've known these people for so long. The Dan Casters and MTV, they're not even like, they're, they're not even like work associates anymore. They're just friends. It's like we all went to the same college and all grew up together. So I love that we kind of had that family feel even outside of the cast. And um, 
it's amazing, man. Like it took me, I told my dad this the other day, it took me leaving LA, moving back kind of like by my parents and kind of starting at a you know regular TV job in Orlando to have the biggest, busiest year in Hollywood I've ever had. So it's amazing how things work out. And I could not be more happy, man. You mentioned you're 50 now, and this is maybe a little bit uh, too big of a conversation that we could have here, but uh, I remember earlier in the the main show, it was always sort of an ageist thing, right? When somebody would be sticking around too long, Johnny Bananas, for instance, everyone would say, oh, you're old, you're out of whatever. And now what I think is so fascinating about the all-star version is we're showing that people 50 plus can be super competitive and, and, and look amazing and, and be tough and, and all of these great things that on a show previously was, was so sort of ageist. I don't know if I'm making any sense. No, it's funny. You said I was old when I was in the challenge, right. when I was 40. They were saying, Oh, Mark's back. He's, He's 40. 40. This, yeah. this old man. And I made a, made the finals. You know I mean? It's like, I think one of the most special things about all stars is like you said, just because you're a mom, just because you're a dad, just because you turn 45, 50, that doesn't mean you still can't have fun and you can't go compete if you're able to. And the fact that Beth on season one, she was 52. I loved having great. Beth back. I need right? Beth she, on TV all the time. Yes, she did great. So like, who's to say, you know, who's the ruler saying when you reach a certain age or when you have two kids, you can't stop, you know, living those glory days and having the fun that you used to have. And you saw it. I mean, it, it was definitely a, a real life experiment on season one. And you saw that it's not only is it, is it doable? People embrace it and they're foaming at the mouth for it. And I, I, I love it. Anyone besides the Miz that has just said sort of, I, I know he's busy. He probably would love to do it if he could, but has there been anyone that said just a flat out, no, that, that you really, you guys wanted to get, but they just were like, no, uh, I'm past it. Um, I'm trying to think not really. I mean, I even had like Sean and Rachel, remember Sean and Rachel. I even had them on the phone interested. It's just, they're a whole nother thing with, with their, you know, their political kind of aspirations and whatnot with Sean. But, you know, no one has really given me like a, no, I'm not going to do it. Or no, do not call me. You know, even like, you know, Evelyn was such a huge, uh, she came in and made a huge splash. Even the Evelyn's that said, you know, we never, I never want to do it again. Even her and I have had conversations, you know, off, off camera saying, she's like, look, it's just not right for me now, but do not ever not stop calling, you know what I mean? Or tell them to never not stop calling. It's just, I think we have to hit people at the right time of their life, the right family, you know, whatever's going on in their family life and with, with their work, you know, but the good thing is, is I'm not, you know, you know, Mary and MTV are not, are not asking us to leave, leave home for 12 weeks. You know, it's three, four, five weeks tops, you know, um, you'll have the best time of your life. You, you, you know, we're playing for big money. So it's not like we're playing for a razor scooter package, like in the older days, you know, I was watching so, some old episodes and you guys were competing for like a digital camera and it's just, it was cracking. Yeah. Up. Right. Digital camera, um, you know, a gift card to like Walmart. I mean, it's like, and we would fight just as hard for it. That's the difference is we would fight just as hard for it because we're lunatics. And so, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I would love to see some of those great kind of like, you know, pink elephants that no one think we can get back, come back. And I, you know what, I've always said this, don't ever doubt the Godfather and what he can do with, with, with the respect that I've built over all these years and just the, the camaraderie I built with all these cast members. 
I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories so much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Well, Mark, I, I want to wrap this up. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you on social media and when the new season premieres. And I just want to say thank you. I was excited to talk to you because I have loved the challenge in this whole universe for so long. And and I was one of those people tweeting years ago, like, we need to get the OGs back. I always loved when Veronica would go back to the main challenge because I grew up with her. And, and so right. I just want to say thank you. And I I really hope people will sign up for the free trial, do whatever you got to do to get the Paramount plus for the challenge and watch it yeah. because it's, it, it's just like a, a, a jolt of uh, serotonin when you, when you hear the nineties music and you guys were playing uh, Bush's machine head and one of the challenges. And I was like, man, I just feel like a 15 year old kid watching MTV. And, and so it, it's really great. So anyway, where can people yeah. find you on social media? And so, and also like someone has told me, look, I smiled through the entire first episode because the music was so phenomenal. And it was yeah. like that every episode. So, so I'm glad you said that. So you can find me at, at Mark Long on everything, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, just started my production company, Mark Long Productions. I got some really fun stuff coming up next year. And, uh, you know, hopefully with the support of the fans and like yourself and just people wanting to see it, we can do many, many seasons of All-Stars and you can get some of those familiar faces back and, uh, you know, have those Bush songs playing in every episode, you know? Would you head back to the main challenge, like the other MTV challenge? Oh, man. Uh, look, never say never. If they called me and said, hey, the, the, and the times worked out, I'm just, 
I'm such a competitive idiot that I, I think I couldn't say no. Yeah. Um, you know, and like I said, at any time of the day, you know, I, I'm, I'm still 6'3", 220 pounds of twisted steel. And I don't know, I mean, you know, I know the guys aren't that big over there. So when I come in, it's going to less at least raise some eyebrows, you know, yeah, so we'll Mark, see. I used to see you at Runyon Canyon with your top off and it was intimidating. So I, I trust <laughs> me. Uh, Mark, That's thank awesome. you so much for taking the time. Everyone's going to check out the challenge. All stars. 